0: So we've all won a kiss from Ben Virth.
1: But the thing is, we've won a kiss, but nobody says where the kiss is. Doesn't have to be on the mouth. God. And with
0: that, about yeah. thirty seconds in, <laughs> Dave lowers the tone. Do
2: we use it as a cold open?
0: Yeah, I was just. Uh... What we said, not his face. <laughs> <house>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that they're recording their hundredth episode uh, via Zoom on. Saturday night, aren't, Saturday I? Night, aren't they? Yeah. Are we are, yeah. we? are we? Are we sort of stopping by slash invading that, or or just swat them? Call the police on them, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's of, sorry. That's the man who offered to kiss me. <laughs> he mumbling about a pole at the same time. session. Mr. session.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the corner of Doctor Who fandom that strictly adheres to the government's rule of six guideline by only having half a dozen listeners. It's the Polis Box, the podcast that puts Doctor Who in the dock. I'm Lee.
1: Yeah, I'm Dave. And
0: I'm Cameron. Do you Just really think th-
1: we've p- got six listeners? Because personally, <laughs> I don't like That
0: six would be a lot, actually.
2: Yeah. Right, so let me round that down if they
0: don't include us. Two at a push maybe. I think yeah. it's I, I think we're probably also adhering to the two households rule if you go over that one. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know. Uh but we, we should point out to the listeners that we don't strictly adhere to anything that Boris Johnson says. No,
0: well, really. so why should we?
2: Apart from yes. starving poor children and shouting uh, shooting grouses. Oh nah, no, nothing, nothing at all.
0: Yeah, yeah, forever. You know, grouse shooting
1: down this way, yeah. You're meant to starve the children and shoot the grouse. I've been doing it the wrong way the birds around here are so thin and everyone knows that's a joke because there's no skinny birds in Mayfield
2: Oh. <laughs> okay I was just about to say this is a last normal episode for a while but I don't think it started that way has no, it?
0: <laughs> no not really it depends on how you define normal very much yeah. depends on how you define normal
1: that's really our hashtag isn't it normal for us
2: <laughs> okay well like I say it's the last normal episode of the bonus box for a while uh but tell you more about that towards the end of the episode but we've got some specials coming up give you more details towards the end of tonight's episode uh right so we just crack on and get straight into the admin yeah (laughs) let's do the admin yeah
1: more (laughs) exciting
2: words have never been said
0: (laughs) let's get straight into the admin kids yes
2: okay well i get the film got a lot to talk about with the episode we're covering tonight so i think we should probably just dive straight into it
0: let's go
2: Okay, so last time round, we put a town called Mercy on trial. Dave, you were defending it? Yes. Cameron was therefore prosecuting. It's time then to reveal the results of the poll. So, episode 30, A Town Called Mercy, we asked you if it was guilty or not guilty of crimes against Doctor Who. The result is guilty, 67%, not guilty, 33%. So Dave takes that one. And potentially gets to decide what we do with the next episode, next normal episode of the Police Box later on. I'm quite surprised at that. Actually, I would have thought that not guilty all day long. Well, it was. Yeah, I would
0: have. Well, I was yeah, defending. I'm it, quite surprised though. as well because I liked it. Ah, uh, yeah, it's, it's it was the one that I quite liked anyway. So it was quite sort of easy to defend, really.
2: Yeah, I mean, like we said last episode when we went through the list of series seven episodes, there's not a lot of strong competition for what we thought was a decent episode so i would have thought it would uh, maybe not ran to an absolute landslide of not guilty but would have still made it through but
0: uh, yeah it maybe it gets brought down by that around it maybe would like the quality of the series around an episode affect the actual voting for an episode i wonder yeah because we'll only really about, find out when
1: you think which series is that and you go oh i'll have a look at that series and go oh, yeah that, that.
0: That was, oh, yeah, you yeah. yeah. start on an instant downer. Yeah. yeah. You're like kind of going, then mm. I, mean, I don't know. That's my theory. Maybe that's what yeah. would have it's, it's It's what company it keeps.
2: Yeah. I'd be quite interested to find out actually when we do a complete an entire series. Just yeah. to see how it all pans out. If, that, if you're right about the fact that certain episodes that are affected by what was surrounding it at the time. So maybe have a look at yeah. that
1: Look at you teasing, that might be nice when we do an entire series. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, in
0: 2043.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Aye, listen, you've always got to give them a hook to keep them coming back for more. And we'll be yeah. playing your favourite song just after these adverts.
2: <laughs> so there we go, Town called Mercy has been found guilty of crimes against Doctor Who and is then cast out into the wilderness not to even sniff the cannon. Off it goes. Good. quite <laughs> deserves.
0: Was we'll Sniff the Cannon a Spinal Tap album?
2: <laughs> so drummers on Spinal Tap never die, they just regenerate.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah.
2: Okay, so that's another one for Dave. Uh, we'll probably do the envelopes and just decide what we do next in one of our normal episodes later on. But for now, let's go back to 2014, the rock and roll years. It's Series 8, Talk 34 of Doctor Who. And we're going to see if we can say something nice as we put Dark Water. A death in heaven on trial.
1: That's a Matrix data slice. A Galifraite hard drive. Time Lord technology. Imagine you could upload dying minds to
0: them. Edit them. Rearrange them. Get rid of all those boring emotions ready to be re-downloaded. Meanwhile, you upgrade the body.
2: Upload the mind. Upgrade the body. Cyberman
1: from cyberspace. Now, why has no one ever thought of that before? Cybermen don't just blow themselves up for no good
2: reason, dear. They're not human. If it isn't exploding. What's it doing?
0: Colonies falling like rain into the cracks of the earth.
2: Every graveyard on planet Earth
1: is about to burst its banks. Uh...
2: Water and Death and Heaven was written by Stephen Moffat. It was directed by Rachel Talley and produced by Peter Bennett, Stephen Moffat and Brian Minchin. It starred Peter Capaldi as The Doctor, Jenna Coleman as Clara Oswald and Michelle Gomez as Missy with Samuel Anderson as Danny Pink, Gemma Redgrave as Kate Stewart and Ingrid Oliver as Osgood. It was broadcast on Saturday the 1st of November and Saturday the 8th of November 2014 and the viewing figures were £7.3 million for for Darkwater and seven point six million for death in heaven. So Cameron, you're gonna be prosecuting this one. I am indeed. Dave will be there for defending. Who well, wants to that, go first? That makes sense, yeah. Um I'll let Cameron go first. Oh, right, Cameron, okay. Fair enough, as long as you sure. Pros- first point for the prosecution then Cameron.
0: The first point for the prosecution is that the opening half of this story, so Dark Water, is essentially a forty five minute long build up to two reveals. Neither of the which are any good. There you go. I'll chuck okay. that in there right from the get go. <laughs> All right. So just the entire
1: first half of this doubleheader is just nonsense. Completely
0: yeah. Well, pointless. it's not. It's 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 the most the the longest stretched out reveal. Right. So you have the fact that Missy is the master. Is almost. I didn't realise this when I first watched it the first time round. But as I say, I don't think I'd actually watched this since it was broadcast at the time. But there's sort of five minutes at the end where they're wandering around outside St. Paul's where it almost goes to sort of comical levels that Capaldi has to go, what, who are you, all the time whilst she's there going, oh, you know, Missy, short for, you know, I couldn't exactly call myself the master, blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And it's like she hints at it with almost sledgehammer-like subtlety. And you're there going... Yeah, it's kind of obvious, mate, as who she is. It's kind of just, you know, just get on with it. And then we're back again with Cybermen calling back to all the retro stuff. It's just, yeah, right, it's Cybermen. We get you. It's 45 minutes of just two reveals, both of which are damp squibs at the end. Stretched beyond all belief.
1: So the episode starts with what's possibly the darkest opening to any Doctor Who episode? At least of the modern ones it's all happy-go-lucky, cheeriness, and somebody dies. And it's not yep. even like, oh, they've been kidnapped by aliens. He actually just gets his power car and dies. Mm. It's yep. so dark. It's it's incredibly dark and realistic, and then you think, oh, okay, the Doctor's going to fix it, and he comes back and goes, nope, he's dead, that's it. You think the Doctor will turn up and save him from the aliens that have killed him, because Danny's not really
2: dead, but he is. It's quite an effective death scene, because despite not having spent much time with Danny, it's the ordinariness of it that gives you a bit of a gut punch. I mean, you don't see it happening, you don't hear it happening, you only see the aftermath of how Clara reacts to it. So it's not done in a sort of sensational way, it's done in a very sort of normal, everyday way. There's no signposting that's going to come, it's just snuffed out like that. The banality of death.
1: Yeah. It's not spectacular, it's not aliens, it's not Daleks. He just gets hit by a car and dies. And it, it's a dark, it, it's a cold, cold open. And it's really well done because you believe it. And then you've always got this little hope that it's going to be aliens or the Doctor's going to save him, but no. And it's it's just that opening five-minute spell and you believe that he's dead by the end of it. And the music comes in and think, okay, so it's going to be about, oh, wait, Danny's actually dead. And it's quite a weird thing in Doctor for somebody to actually just die at the start. Hmm. And it's a character that you know. It's not like the episode of casually would start and you get some random going, I'm off outside now, I'm just going to cut the hedge with this sword and you go, Alright, so <laughs> that's just gonna be in trouble this week.
0: Aren't you aren't you going to wear a helmet if you're going outside on your bike, Malcolm? Yeah. No, I'll be fine, mother.
1: Whereas this you think, alright, it's a conversation and uh, then there'll be anything encouraging, it'll all go weird. But no, it's just a normal everyday conversation and Danny dies. It's a dark, interesting, very different open for a Doctor Who episode. And a lot of the first half of this double header is about Clara trying to come to terms with the fact that Danny's dead. Which is quite a weird take for a Doctor Who episode.
0: Easy, and I'm kind of jumping ahead onto this one here because I'm getting around to my other points here. I would say that yes, the Danny's death is probably taken about as far as they could possibly take it on a sort of Saturday night entertainment show in that yes, as we said, you don't see it, you don't hear it. There's not even like a kind of like crash boom on the end of the phone that allows to work out. It's just some a random passerby who picks up the phone and ends up talking to her. Yeah. Um, but this is the main thing I was going to get to after you know, the second point was that it means that a lot of this double parter and therefore a lot of this season finale's overall emotional weight rests on Danny's shoulders as a character. Yep. And I don't think he's as beloved a character as Stephen Moffat seems to think he is.
1: No. It wouldn't surprise me if he is beloved around set for being a nice guy.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. And that's,
1: and that's kind of gone into the character. My first note for the prosecution actually says, who gives a fuck about Danny Pink? And the answer is largely nobody. He's yes. not enough a character to be given this send-off. But it, it's nice that they were brave enough to choose a relatively main character to do this. Because it could have been the head teacher at school. It could have been a pupil at the school that Clara works with. But instead, they actually chose somebody that the viewers know as well, which was quite a brave decision to kill off.
0: But, just, I mean, I could understand it if you were going, if we're playing once again, let's put a different Doctor and a different companion in this story. <laughs> if the Doctor right. was. If the Doctor was in a different story. If this had been a episode of Doctor Who with Tenant in, and this had been mickey dying and billy piper doing the whole Clara oswald bit right mm-hmm. that would probably have a bit more weight because mickey was a bit more of a developed character than danny is or was i would argue even like if it was rory it would just about be better because he once again was a bit more developed than was he was the from all existence, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, he was the from all existence and never, yeah, and, and never happened. Several times. <laughs> Several yeah. times. It would seem, you know, and you had Amy doing all this kind of stuff. But I genuinely don't. Danny just kind of turned up and then was just like, oh, well, they're going to have some kind of relationship. But it was always in the background. You never felt that Clara and Danny were anywhere near sort of like. They were just. He was just there to give. Clara, something else to do that's not involving the doctor.
1: He was a very, very well served veteran of the Exposition Wars. He
0: was. He was, yeah. He was, yeah. That's largely
1: why I got used as.
0: Brave, brave soul that he is. Yes. Yeah, so cause... that would be my argument against that. Yes, it's an impactful opening for a character's death, and yes, it's off screen, and yes, it's handled quite well, which is a bit of a contrast to what comes later. But, um,. I would argue that of all the characters in modern Doctor Who since 2005, they could have done that too. Danny's one of the worst options.
1: I wouldn't argue with that. The show is Doctor Who, and Danny and Doctor Who don't really get on. So yeah, it's somebody that belongs to the companion, but doesn't belong to the Doctor, so there's not much involvement for the Doctor in there. And let's face it, when everyone's watching Doctor Who, they kind of wish they were the Doctor. Nobody ever watches and goes, "Oh, I wish I was that teacher in middle of
0: London." No, exactly, exactly. So, so yeah, yeah. I, I know. I see what you're saying about Danny. Um, and yeah, he's you know nice enough character, but he's just kind of there. And a, a lot of the kind of foundation stone of this entire two parter relies on his feeling for him, not being able to get back. It's Clara, because he's obviously deed. Yeah. Um, And then it's... I don't think it quite works as much as Stephen Moff obviously thought it would for his character packing an emotional punch.
2: So you could argue that it's quite a pivotal moment in the story. So there is something else, apart from the two reveals at the end, that pushes the story along. Um, You can't uh, really uh, put that down as a nothingy scene. That's something important to the overall arc of the story. It is his final
1: mission in the Exposition Wars. All he gets used for is to get the Doctor and Clara to go look into the afterlife. That's it. He He gets killed for that. And they could have used a random nobody for that. They could have used the school cleaner. But instead, they went with Clara's boyfriend, who she's decided to fully emotionally invest in. And that's when they decide to kill him. It seems quite harsh on Clara. There was no need to do that for the story. It was just, let's be mean to Clara. Which I can understand, but... <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I said, I'll take uh, much loved companion
1: section. <laughs> yeah, if we're doing it, they could have actually done it the other
0: way around, and Clara could have died. That... And Danny, Danny could have got the Doctor to help. Probably, yeah, because then the Doctor would have actually probably been more sort of driven... To try and find out what was going on. Yeah. Because at the minute, you know, at the start you've got that whole scene where the the the, the volcano and it's you know, that probably wouldn't have happened had it been Danny, you know, trying to convince him but he would spend a lot of he, there would be less of this kind of like, oh well no, we can't possibly do it, you know, change it, fixed point in time and all that kind of stuff. Which we've kind of already touched on in modern day Doctor Who in Father's Day. Is mm, yes. that not the whole concept of Father's Day was the fact that they couldn't go and save um Save her dad.
1: Yeah, because then the flying time monkeys would come and fix it all.
0: <clears throat> yeah, the, the sort of praying mantis things come and try and heal time. Yeah, because it's not supposed to be there. In, there's a lot of
2: echoes of Father's Day in this. Yeah,
0: yeah, there's a lot. it's kind of like, on the core of it, it's the same sort of principle, of same idea. So, yeah, we've already established that that's not a thing you can do, but then suddenly it's fine. Because, effectively, we're going to go to the afterlife now and that's all okay, which I think is code for Russell T. Davis has left <laughs> so we're going to do this <laughs> this is how we would have done Father's Day had we done it in. Yeah. whatever so, yeah.
2: your uncle says you can't do, we're going to do and we're not going yep. to
0: tell him because later we're just going to wreck Gallifrey <laughs> and then Chris Chibnall comes along and goes, well hold my beer <laughs> um, so yeah, I have totally lost train of where we were going with this, but never mind.
1: Um, you, somebody mentioned the volcano scene, and, and in the defence this episode, there's a few cases where the Doctor gets to show that he's not just a human; he's different. And the volcano scene is one of those because Clara slaps drugs on him, betrays him, strands him on a volcano, and goes, "Yeah, I'll still help you." That's more what you've done to me. But and it shows that he's not bound by human emotions almost
0: the weight of the volcano scene is surely completely downgraded not long afterwards by being revealed to be just a simulation it's not real
1: yeah obviously it's not real it's, it's, real real. it's a
0: real. telly show but, yeah but they, it's you
1: know and they didn't even film it in a real volcano what's that got
0: a real <laughs> volcano didn't, didn't find milk, you know.
1: She didn't even throw the keys to the TARDIS in the fire. She kept them safe.
0: There was no, no exactly. risk film in that. In, back in the day, in the proper series, that would have been a volcano in Wales. <laughs> um, and it's not. Um, you mean a quarry in Wales painted orange? Yeah, a quarry painted orange with a few sort of. Thing, just sticking their heads out, behind balls with straws going. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Possibly with a bubble machine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Ah,
2: things were much better back then, weren't
0: they? Things were much better. Yeah, yeah. If it was Pertwee, he wouldn't be doing any of this stuff. <laughs> he would have given Danny Pink a good slapping. Danny Pink a good slapping. Yes. So I, the volcano scene's an interesting one because I always believe, and I was trying like when I was running through this, I was writing in my notes, kind of going, "I'm going to have to be slagging off all Os- Clara Oswald again in this podcast," and then I remember, no, I slagged her off on the time lash when we were on that a couple of weeks ago. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: because. My problem with Clara is that she seems to do the most extreme and stupid thing whenever she has a situation to address at that time. And in this case it's, even though it's revealed to be a simulation, she's like, that is it. She's like, I'll drug the Doctor, I'll steal all the TARDIS keys, I'll get him to take us to a volcano, and I'll throw in the keys in the lava one by one and destroy them until the end Result of that is we won't be able to get back into TARDIS and we'll be stuck in a volcano. Grieving, I understand, yes, fine, but that is a bit extreme because Clara will then go on obviously kind of go, you know, later on she'll be like, oh no, I'll just have a raven death count put upon me. That'll be fine, not a problem at all because I want to be the hero in this. Clara always does the most illogical and stupid like resolution to what she thinks is a resolution to a situation. It's what's your point
1: of... there, Cameron? You're right. Does <laughs> that's her character?
0: Yes, that's her character, and that's why she's a pain.
2: I have to remember that all this happens before she finds out it's a simulation and she's been duped. For Clara, what's happening is very much real. Yeah. It's only once she... the action of throwing the keys into the volcano between the doctors happened that they, she then finds out that she's been the one that's had the sleep patch put on her, and the doctors manipulated the situation wonder how many so, times he's done that. <laughs> <laughs> Always travels alone with a young female. Yeah.
0: yeah. BBC in the 70s. Oh, yes. Can you imagine if Tom Baker had access to sleep patches? <laughs> Man. Gene's got... <laughs> Hello, Leela. <laughs> Just put this on your neck now. <laughs> yeah, where was I? Uh It's... That's the problem I've got. Danny, we've got the problem that he's not really an effective character, so therefore killing him off's a bit meh. And also with Clara, the main issue we have is the fact that she's bordering on psychotic <laughs> a lot of the time. Grief stricken, yes, you can understand, but not going to another planet and running the risk of stranding both of them on it with no way of getting off it. Okay. You know, well, there's, there's, there's grief, and then there's just want and destruction of everyone else around her.
1: As you've said, she always picks, basically, the nuclear option. Yes. Always. So, in this case, she's
2: stayed true to the character.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's
2: she... not unusual for Clara, because this is the overall arc of her character. She becomes more and more thrill-seeking, reckless,
0: trying to... You know, Ape the doctor, in the stupid, way. just call it, call it what it is, <laughs> stupid. She becomes more stupid. And if you're going to say ape the doctor, yeah, this is the thing with Clara as well. I've all you know said it. The problem is also there's that, and the fact that she rather than the companion following the doctor and being you know in a group with the doctor, she wants to be the doctor, and obviously, it's completely highlighted in this episode by her trying to be, pretend to be the Doctor in front of the Cybermen when they're going to kill her. You know, Clara Oswald never existed. She wishes. Um, you know, I'm the Doctor. <laughs> it sounds a bit like you, you wish know? as well, Cameron, to <laughs> <I'll> be honest. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: I'm getting the feeling you're not a fan. No. no Just little never. subtle things you're saying there that I'm picking never up
0: Never really, never really got it with Clara. Never really got why she's, no, don't like her as a companion. Don't like it. Feel sorry for Jenna Coleman, yeah, fine. She fine acted the character, what she was asked to do, fine. But I just didn't like Clara as a as a character at all. I'm okay. you know, for that reason, she's always the nuclear option. It's always extreme, and she just wants to be the doctor rather than following the doctor and you know and being a companion. And as I say, in this, it's underlined by the fact she pretends to be the doctor, try to get out of a situation where she's facing death. And it's just, I think it's just wishful thinking on her part.
2: Okay, so overall, the first point for the def- the prosecution is nothing really happens in the build up to the end, apart from the two reveals.
0: Oh, stuff happens, but it's all led up to the final five minutes of just kind of, all oh, right, it's Cybermen. Oh yeah, she's the master. So your okay.
1: complaint about the first episode is that it leads up to the reveal of the baddies,
0: in not in a brilliant way though. Okay, you know what I mean? It's like do you take an entire forty five minutes to do that?
2: Well, thankfully, that's a charge we can never level about any other episode of Doctor Who in its entire history. No, not at all. That is, com- all. is completely unique. Unique to this.
0: <laughs> Hush now. Um,
2: okay, shall we move on to the
1: first point for the defence, then? Oh, sorry, Is as it's this on the defence, just for a few
2: minutes there, it sounded like you were the one defending this, Lee. I'll be honest. Like, as I always say, I try and present both sides <laughs> of the argument. He does, very well. On one side yeah. of the other, until I've heard all your evidence, so... Dave, do you want to give us the first point for the defence, please? Um, I'll keep this
1: short and sweet. The first point for the defence is... Missy. That's it. <laughs> it's the introduction of one of the most batshit characters of all time. And and it's not even the introduction of a new character, it's just somebody taking a character that's already known, and completely changing it and making it insane. If that, It is like somebody said, I wonder what would happen if, like, the Master was Scottish? but like proper Scottish, like Begbie Scottish. anyway. <laughs> and the woman, fuck it. And that's what they got. <laughs> you can no. quite easily see Missy glassing somebody.
0: Yes, you can. But at what point did they sit with a fag packet during the meeting where Michelle Gomez was, and she walked into the room and they wrote down, and she's like, how do I play the master? What do you want me to do? And Stephen Moffat, with the back of his cig packet... don't know if Stephen Moffat smokes, but he does now in my mind, okay? It's (laughs) canon. Or at least he has a fag packet nearby. And he wrote on it, Demented Mary Poppins. And just handed her that. And she ran with that. That's all it is. Yeah. He's looking at it kind of going, it's literally, with the brolly and the clothes she's wearing in this episode, Demented Mary Poppins. Yes. Whoop-de-dam-do. I
1: th- you almost get the feeling that was the idea on a storyboard somewhere.
0: Pretty much, yeah. It was like, oh what? yeah, what if Mary Poppins was Scottish?
1: Oh. 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 We didn't hear the end of that. It was just, what if Mary Poppins was Scottish? Scottish. And that was a, I heard the l- end of the line.
0: I heard a little beep on my back now. Yes, Get back. Get back, back
2: with that's us. Okay. No, You've returned good. from
0: the Nevers uh, Nice. So he's like, "Yeah, what if Mary Poppins was? What uh, if Mary Poppins was Scottish, from space, and would jib you? Yeah, that's Did, all that is.
2: Do you need any more of that with the Master? Yes,
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs>
2: As part well, of the,
1: he, mo- the modern versions of the Master, have been manically unstable. Like the Master used to just be another Time Lord who was a bit bad." But the modern ones are manically unstable, and she really has taken that to a spectacular degree. Yeah. And uh, people say the Doctor can't be a woman, but that was the first Time Lord change from male to female, and people didn't talk about that enough. I was going to say, did anyone?
0: I was thinking that. like, did anyone bat an eyelid when Michelle Gomez was revealed as the Master about you know the gender swap? I don't remember there being. I do not same... remember there being any fuss about that at all. No, not to the same level the shit fit that I had when
2: Jodie Whittaker was cast. Yeah,
0: exactly. In comparison to the two, it's just like really bloody weird. There was no hashtag not my master. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, like, that hashtag's always going. All right, <laughs> just
1: don't look at it. Don't look at it. <laughs> but it's always there.
0: Is it Dave? <laughs> Is it really? Yes, fair enough, Dave. <laughs> Whatever hanks your crank, pal. Whatever hanks your crank.
2: But maybe the sort of lack of outrage was acknowledgement acknowledgement of Michelle Gomez playing it well. Had she made a ham-fisted attempt at being the master and it had all gone south, then you might have got more people complaining. So maybe that, you know, the fact there wasn't a big fuss is that people took her interpretation of the master into their heart and really enjoyed how she played it.
0: Because everyone loves Mary Poppins <laughs> and wants to think about how up. much they're, you know, a, de- a sort of deranged version of that character would be a spoonful of cyanide helps the funeral go down. So, yeah, I just, no, not buying it. Not it buying be,
1: it. It'd be a spoonful of speed and it's not going in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it would be.
2: <laughs> what if it be wrapped, Tyler? Nope. <laughs> nope. Inserted grade by grade. Yep with some big pointy tweezers.
1: <laughs> Lovely. Sorry. On a spoon, but it's a wooden spoon and it's got splinters.
2: <laughs> <laughs> not to do the defence's job here, but I do feel you're underselling Michelle Gomez's
0: performance by just I'll calling up under... a demented Mary Poppins. Oh, that's what she is, in this completely. But I'll undersell it all day.
1: It's not underselling, that's exactly what it is. And it's brilliant for it. Because you look at her and you see this woman who's like all smiley and happy and friendly. And she's being nice to everyone.
0: Since when was... she kills them. Since when was the master supposed to be like the Joker? John Sim. Since then. Since then? So is this John Sim's fault?
1: Since he keeps an elderly David Tennant dwarf in the corner on a towel. That's (laughs) since when?
0: I think you'll find there's many, many fan... forums, (laughs) Forums <laughs> that that is the main story of, yeah, but that that's since when something about keeping David Tennant in a corner, but I don't know what the rest of it is.
2: I think, so I think Dave's, Dave's right with what he's saying though, because Roger Delgado was always the like blueprint for the classic masters, wasn't he? Yeah, that he was, Anton always a bit more was of a schemer. very much of the same cut from the same cloth, and he came along and played it. So it's probably the case that John Sims the blueprint for the new series because you sort of see that with Sasha DeWan now he sort of plays up to the maniacal side of the master and being sort of outrovertedly unpinched, if you see what I mean. Blowing
1: up a plane while he's standing on it. Yeah, God's, very much like the gungle. John Sim
0: would so eat boring. tramps.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Crispy. There's the episode title, John Sim eats tramps.
0: <laughs> Let's go with that. Um, no, I think I just think yeah, the new master's a lot better. John Sim was a lot better. Michelle Gomez is not the best modern-day master at all.
1: I didn't say she was the best. I see she was very, very, very different, but still, believably, mm. the master. She, no. she, Going back to what you said about Clara's character, the actress took the character and ran with it. She made it exactly what she was asked to do, and it's a, it's an incredible character. Whether you like the character or not, it's an incredible character and a really good piece of acting. Because you actually believe that when they say cut, she pulled out a knife. (laughs) (laughs) And possibly a rusty Stanley knife.
0: Possibly, yeah.
1: (laughs) So yeah, it's it's incredibly well acted by Michelle Gomez. And it's believable as an insane character. For people who grew up on old Doctor Who, it's not believable as the master, because it's not an old man in a suit. But it's a great character.
0: Can I point out that we've forgotten Derek Jacobi in all of this? But never mind. (laughs) Everyone forgets Derek Jacobi.
1: If we're going for Masters that we've forgotten, shall we mention the TV movie? If you want to go back to when the Master was insane?
0: I think we covered that quite admirably in a (laughs) previous episode.
1: Exactly. But if you want to
0: see when the Master
1: started becoming insane, it was round about then, with his lizard eyes.
0: With his lizard eyes and taking over dead bodies, yeah.
2: Yeah. I don't think in anybody's heart of hearts they can ever really truly forget Eric Roberts. Who would want to? Who would want to, Lee? When we all die and we go up to the nevisphere, it won't be Chris Addison that meets us. It'll be Eric Roberts. Yep. Chewing every single bit of scenery and presenting you with a lovely big ham. (laughs) uh, Hi, I'm God. (laughs) But that's what happens.
1: They put you in a coffin, they bury you, and Eric Roberts chews his way through
2: and lets you out. It's the circle of life. (laughs) The circle of life,
0: which I believe was Elton John's original draft lyrics. Yeah, it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. You had to ask Eric Roberts' permission for the use his name. (laughs) Oh Oh, boy,
2: Shell maybe want a point two for the prosecution then.
0: Uh, Point two. Oh, I might have already used point two and all that ramble at the start. Hold on, I'll switch out Oh Oh, yeah, okay. Um, Right, this. As a story, is far too tonally dark for this time frame of when it was screened. This is some heavy, heavy stuff going on here. All of a sudden, we're tripping off to the afterlife. All of a sudden, you're like your dead body is still actually got some kind of residual memory in it, so you're aware of the fact you're being cremated. Oh boy, that's you know. I don't want to come across as Miri Whitehouse clutching your pearls, think of all the children. But, you know, when you had, like, we, you know, we've just said Danny's death at the start is handled really well and quite subtly. And then you're into, oh, yeah, you know, you're not getting burnt, are you? Because you might start to feel a little bit warm. It's a little bit like, ooh, this is kind of stepping over the line slightly here. There's a There's a big toe at least over the line here.
1: It's not like that time that David Tennant had to find the actual devil.
0: But that was like, no kid's going to sit at home and think, oh, well, you know, watching the Satan pit, going, oh, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, when we met the devil, blah, 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 blah. because that's a kind of like an abstract thing that, you know, people can picture to see fit. But when you, like, you're like you talking about, you know, they, they may sit there and go, oh, so you're trying to tell me when my granddad died and we went to the funeral, she could actually feel herself being burnt. Ooh, man. <laughs>
1: it is very dark and twisted for a that Doctor is. Who
0: story. It is.
1: But it, all Doctor Who shows are dark and scary. They always have been. I mean, what about for a scary one for kids? A child that draws things and it happens. There's nothing scarier to you than fear her. <laughs> to me personally, no. I but think for
0: so many reasons, though. I think if yeah. we can, if we can add defending on the start of that sentence. Can you think of anything defending more terrifying her. than fear? Her defending what? fear. Her. yes, that's 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 worse. But no, you're right. It, it, there's a difference between having something that can chime an emotional cord, and then crossing the line into real life events that might actually have some sort of psychological effect on you. Yeah, you know I mean I just keep thinking, you know, there might have been, you know, kids with recent deaths in the family that have been what you know, maybe watched this when it was broadcast. And that would have been a bit of a screw up, you know, you're having this story tell you, Oh yeah, yeah, by the way, they could they could feel that, you know, a little bit warm, flame grilled. Num nom 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 nom.
1: Especially when the <laughs> next day they can wake
0: up and they smell bacon cooking think like it's happening. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And they're like Ran? No, it's just, nah, Um, it seems really, I can appreciate the idea, but... but We do do find
1: out that it's not actually the afterlife, they're not dead in the traditional sense.
0: They are still dead bodies, though.
1: Cybermen use dead bodies sometimes, the Daleks kill people, there's always death the television will suck your face off if you watch one episode. But never as we
0: We don't get death in Doctor Who and then we don't, like, have someone shot by a Dalek and then, like, well, there's the graveyard which they were buried in and they can probably still feel, you know, go into the entire mechanics of them. If a Dalek shoots someone in Doctor Who, it's like, and then they're exterminated, and that's it, they're away and then we move on. It's never actually sort of dwelled on and been a sort of, such a critical part of the story as this is.
1: That is quite heavy.
0: It's very heavy going for a Saturday evening entertainment show. You know yeah, what I mean? Totally, yes.
2: though, it does fit in with the whole theme of the series. Like the Doctor's is wrestling with the idea of whether well, he's a good man anymore or not. And there's lots of kind of dark angles coming in. And I think this, I'm not sure if I'm right in saying this, but this series was going out slightly later as well. Like there was maybe a bit of a nudge to try and make it a kind of sort of x filesy sort of prestige sci-fi show.
0: Torchwood, than... do you mean? <laughs> no, I said prestige. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, this This has the storyline of more of a Torchwood kind of idea than a Doctor Who one.
2: Yeah, but I think there's, there, there was a nudge. I think I th- overall, what they're trying to do with the Peter, Peter Capaldi era of Doctor Who is what they were trying to do with Colin Baker's era of Doctor Who. That you start off with a really bristly, unlikable Doctor and then slowly, you know, through lots of dark storylines, you get layers and layers peeled away And he becomes the friendly, sort of avuncular Doctor that we all know and love. So I think this is like the start of that process, where you get a lot of dark themes chucked in. And the Doctor's not necessarily a man you can trust. He doesn't trust himself. So, you know, if you've got that as your central character's theme, to then have an episode like Aliens of London doesn't really marry up the two. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of of, tonally dark episodes in Series 8, but It's for a purpose.
0: Is there um, any that would cross over into something with a bit of an emotional low blow than this? No, that's what I mean. I'm trying. to sort of suggest uh, there's I mean, a difference between having a story with like an emotional punch and chiming into something that happens, you know, in your real life. You know, oh, this because we're scared of this. That next thing and primal fears and blah blah blah. But there's another one of like kind of going, you know, this is death itself that analyzing here. And the whole mechanics therein of, regardless of your religious outlook on such a thing, it's still going to be a pretty hefty whack in a series that's still essentially, you know, as we always say, it's a kids' entertainment show kind of thing. It's very core. Yeah. That's how it began. To then suddenly go, you know, if you looked at sort of Doctor Who in the '60s and then kind of went, oh yeah, and by the way, one day they'll be discussing how you're still active and you can feel yourself being cremated. <laughs> Enjoy your. <laughs> We'll join William Harton on the gang next week. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know hey, what I mean? Of fun on the web planet the zarby. next week. Oh
0: boy! <laughs> <laughs> next week, num 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 num. Flame grilled whoppers. So you see what I mean? Yeah,
2: yeah. Okay.
1: Don't necessarily disagree with that. I think you're wrong.
0: <laughs> Fair play, Dave. It's <laughs> what the podcast is all about.
1: Yes. There you go. Yeah, I don't think either of us is going to change the other one's mind.
0: No, we just sit and argue until the end of time. Yeah. I feel a bit like Batman and the Joker. We're gonna look at each other and go, We're gonna do this again and <laughs> again forever and ever. I'm not gonna I'm gonna leave it up to people to decide which one would be which in that case, situation. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. So maybe we want to point you to for the defence then? Yeah, I'll
1: just try and work out who would be like, you know, the Alfred in this. Who would be the Alfred? Well yes. or Batman and Robin. Yeah.
0: I mean, well you well either you or me is gonna be the Joker or Batman. And she yeah, would, no. But but what's Lee to really go down this Uh, rabbit
2: hole? Already, I'm mentally preparing to go and get my monkey suit and my silver tray, because I think I'm going to end up being Alfred here. Nah. Uh, I'm going to be demoted to some sort of lesser
0: seen character that everybody hates. You've not
2: got legs to be Harley Quinn.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sat in front of a computer coming up with the intros for every single episode of this podcast. He's obviously the Riddler. Nice. (laughs) I was thinking more of his body shape. He's the Scarecrow,
2: but yeah. (laughs) Oh. Oh. <laughs> right. Okay, order in court. No personal slights on the judge, please. <laughs> Honestly. Yes. So, oh. <clears throat> point so point for the defense. <laughs>
0: yes.
1: It, it kind of goes back to your point for the prosecution. It's not often the Doctor Who actually goes to talk about something serious and big and deep, such as what happens after you die. And I know they kind of skirted around it by saying, well, it's not really the truth of what But it's quite a big thing for it to go for. Let's have somebody we know and like die and then go investigate that. It's quite rare for them to do something that big and that deep. A lot of times, oh, where are we? Oh, we're on a moon base. Let's investigate. Whereas this is actually a deliberate choice to investigate what happens after you die. And it's it's an unusual choice for Doctor Who to make. Mm -hmm. Especially towards the end of a series. It, it it's almost like a big finish for the series, but
0: no, not as in a big finish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Playing devil's advocate again slightly, or just, the fires you know,
1: for the prosecution. I yeah, guarantee. that's true. <laughs> you know, I just
0: took it in there. Do you think that if this finale had been, for argument's sake, on the end of the last series on TV with Jodie Whittaker, would people have said that it was, and I quote, too woke?
1: Um, there are lots and lots of things in this episode that are almost jarringly aware. Mm-hmm. But, no, I don't think it would be described as too woke, because I don't think anyone in real life actually says that kind of thing.
0: No, I'm not either. I think it's a horrible thing, phrase, but yeah, yeah you know what I mean.
1: Um, I think if they'd done it in a modern one with Jodie Whittaker, mm-hmm. then they would have killed off Bradley Walsh. Because mm-hmm. he's old anyway. Maybe they would have killed him. Yeah, as I don't know.
0: Dad... Technically, though, is Bradley Walsh not really dying? Not, not not like the the man himself, but is great <laughs> Graham news. rather. Is is is? Oh, don't tell us that's all, Bradley Walsh. Oh God, no! You know, Break I mean, he he has. Hard.
2: Breaking news: Breaking news in the post, box. Bradley Walsh has a terminal disease. You've heard
0: it, <laughs> folks. Is it? Is it just like, you know, Graham is dying anyway? Technically, isn't he? Well, yeah, we so, all are technically. Well, yeah, <laughs> technically, yeah. Um, <laughs> about in this episode. Yeah, yeah. So it would have been Yaz or Ryan, I suppose. You would have done that. Yeah. Away you? And they oh. would have been going to afterlife. And then Graham would have met his um, his wife who died in the first episode. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. The it would a
1: casualty met. of the Exposition Wars.
0: Yes, they would have definitely had the scene where they were acting opposite each other, totally in the afterlife. They'd have met. That's how that would have worked. Now, as Chris Chibnall wrote this, that's how this would have worked. And you just know he would have been wearing a white suit. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But no, that's what I'm, I'm just interested if you teleport yeah. this to the, 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 you know, the next Doctor along. You know, Can I and- take it back.
1: He would not have been wearing a white suit. He would have been wearing a tux with an undone bow tie.
0: <laughs> yep.
2: <laughs> yep. <laughs> I just realised that and I had to say it. But yeah, if he brandy glass in one hand, a lit cigar in the other. If you
1: change it to a different Doctor, it obviously becomes a different story. And I think I think because it was the weight of Capaldi as the Doctor behind it, that made it feel much more real and serious. I think if you'd done it with a younger Doctor, no matter who the younger Doctor was, I think Tennant might have carried this off, but maybe mm-hmm. not. Matt Smith would have struggled. Yeah, Eccleston that's to it's exactly that,
2: yeah. I yeah. think
1: I think the weight of the Doctor being almost Clara's guide to the afterlife helped carry it off. Even though he said he'd never done this before, he he was almost guiding her through it
0: as an elder. I think I'll give you that there's a lot of occasions where Capaldi's outright acting chops cover up a lot of Stephen Moffat's more strained story ideas. You know.
1: it, it does seem sometimes like he's written the story, but he's written a very loose story and he's got three or four scenes or lines in his head that he really wants to get in it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the rest of the time, the actors are trying to save the story from the scenes that he's forced into it.
0: Yeah, that's probably probably fair to say that.
2: Have you got any examples for this story, Dad,
1: of... Um, I think the scene of Missy revealing herself to be the master may have been written almost line for line in his head, and that's how he wanted it to be done. Okay. So for the rest of the scenes around them, the actors were trying to get away from, oh, look at me, can't you guess who I am? <laughs> <laughs> to actually her being malevolent and dark and weird, and have you got any other friends I can kill? And I think that was them trying to rescue those characters from the scenes that he'd forced on them in that. It's an interesting story, but there's occasionally scenes that you think somebody really wanted that scene no matter what.
0: I think the scene also in the graveyard where... She's demonstrating how she can control all the Cybermen with that wrist thing. And she's there going, Put your right arm out and your left arm out. And they're all do. That's yeah. Obviously, Stephen Moffat went, Wouldn't it be really funny if the Masters doing an aerobics class with Cybermen? <laughs> yeah. The Cyber Hokey Cokey. The Cyber Hokey Cokey, yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's that. I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, Yeah, they've obviously kind of gone, Oh, we could do this. This would be funny. Um, yeah. But whereas, yeah, I don't mean, they, they're uh, occasional. Uh,
1: I think if Missy had actually been in charge of that scene, they would have been doing a fascist salute, all of them.
2: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But that's kind of very much the master's character, though. I mean, you can't have the master being entirely dark because there's always got to be a little sort of kind of light sort of mucking about scenes. Johnson yeah. would have done the same thing. You can see Sasha Dwan doing the same thing as well. As what about the- Derek Jacobi?
0: Everyone forgets Derek <laughs> Jacobi.
2: What about Eric Roberts? <laughs> Look, I can't cover them all. (laughs) But it's very much in the the nature of the master's character to mock and to be playful in an evil way. So this isn't something that's been shoehorned in. This is something that exists in the character already. Yes. So it's perfectly reasonable to expect that the the missy would start doing an aircraft crash demonstration safety procedure if I went to Scyberham just because she thought it was funny.
1: Yeah, but I think the scene where she says to Osgood... I'm going to kill you in a minute, It's far more of malevolent comedy master-level stuff than making Cybermen dance in a graveyard. Not to yep. make the prosecution's point for him.
0: <laughs> That's why I'm nodding. Yeah, <laughs> not, not that anyone can see that on a podcast, but, you know, just to rest assured, dear listeners, I'm nodding. Yeah,
1: like, I think it's a really good character, messy, and it's really well-portrayed but occasionally it's too light almost and too comedic for comedic's sake. Because Missy does comedic for almost torture's sake. It's like, I'm going to kill you and then she starts the countdown and it's funny in a really dark, weird way. Having the Cybermen do a safety demonstration isn't funny. It's childish and not that intelligent, which is not what you want the Master to be portrayed as. I'm nodding. (laughs) (laughs) For the purposes of the tape, Cameron is nodding. So yes, apparently that was my second point for the defence. Okay.
0: <laughs> Dave's shaking his head now. Shall we move on to point three then? Um. When do we bring out the big gun? To bring out it- the big gun now?
2: Is that wrong? No, I don't
0: want to see a big lo- gun
1: on camera. I'm slightly looking forward to the end where I can actually bring out my prosecution points as well, <laughs> because there's one or two I've got that I've not written down.
0: Let did, Why did you do both?
1: <laughs> because I kind of like to think about what you might say, so that I'm ready to yeah. talk against it. Oh,
2: fair enough. Okay, that's what I do with my notes as well. I try to see what both of you might say. Yeah. Okay. So I've got. I'm kind of prepared for both sides.
0: Uh, um, okay, I'm bringing out the gun now. Right here oh, we no. go. Smoking right. gun. And it's two words. Well, it's mainly three by the time I finish it. Right. Okay. The Cybermen, like most modern cybermen episodes are defeated by love we are one step <laughs> away from james bloody cordon <laughs> yeah. let's not forget we had that whole crap episode with Alfie. okay this is essentially the same thing on a much larger scale the cybermen are defeated by oh because we love each other and clara and Hey, I, I, and Danny love each other, and so therefore they won't listen to Giza Break. No, sorry, no. At least when it was gold, it was a tangible thing.
1: No, they're defeated by pain. He's in pain. That's why the inhibitor doesn't work because the pain's too strong. It's not love. There's no power in the love.
2: It's the pain. <laughs> yeah, take that, Holly Johnson. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Can the court be? Rather the power of love is a curious thing. so <laughs> <laughs> one man weep, another man sing.
2: And it's definitely not a force from a force from above. It's no, lies. It's no all.
0: Really. Is all lies. A force from very much in the grave, it would seem.
2: But but yes, I,
1: I can see why people would think. Yeah, it's love the same. It's not. It's it's pain, because they have the conversation about whether the doctor feels the pain of what happens to people or not. And Danny's angry about him, you can't feel this pain, you don't understand. And it's the pain that keeps Danny as Danny till the end. It's not love, it's the pain. And it's a very, very dark bit of Doctor Who. Because it's not like he starts to turn and Clara starts crying going, no Danny, don't go, I love you. And then he comes back. He actually discusses that it's the pain
2: that he wants switched off. The main it, motivation there is anger as well. About what's happened to him, what's going to happen to him. Rather than, you know, love being the overriding thing that kind of brings him round and makes him Danny again. He's still
0: Danny at that point. Yep, he served so long in the
1: exposition wars and nothing happens to him.
0: <laughs> you know, it's just it, there's always this thing about how Cybermen are these kind of like cold, dark emotionless killers yet all it takes is a strong human emotion and they are completely defeated. I think it's probably why I liked the lone Cyberman in the new ones in the last series so much because he was completely off the rails kind of like nothing going to stop him I really I felt a bit sort of vexed that he just got shrunk down at like Warhammer size and you know and that was the end of him because he was great I just particularly like that scene in the um, the bloody Mary Shelley episode where he was like you know kind of going oh you had two kids didn't you yes I ate their skin and I was like, yes! <laughs> I was like, this guy's not going to be like, oh, he's just by love and pain and all human emotion. No. So, yeah, this is the thing. It's, it's always these kind of like heavy, and it just reminds me of James Corden, and I don't like anything that reminds me of James Corden because he's a thing that <laughs> exists. I just got a cemetery with the cipher saying, oh, I ate their skin, and they're taking a sip from
2: the world's best star mug. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah. carry on. No, I'm pretty much done.
2: So the prosecution
1: has gone from, well, this is really dark and it might give kids nightmares to going, I really like when that Cyberman series gets scared.
0: <laughs> Different <laughs> series, though.
1: <laughs> the kids were a couple of years older by then. A couple of years older by then, a bit plumper. <laughs> but not James Corden plump, don't get me started. No, James, no
0: don't get me started, with James <laughs> bloody Corden. The man who should never have touched Doctor Who at all, ever. He not touched anything. So, yeah. There's my point there. I was going to bring out the big guns, the James Corden gun. <laughs> James Corden and his gun. The gun to James Corden. Yeah.
1: Yeah, As it's a trope with Cybermen. Yeah. Because their strength is that they have no emotions. So their weakness has to be emotion.
0: It's going to be de- defeated by emotion. So what's the point? As I say, at least when it was gold, it was like a tangible thing you could have and just like kind of going, all right, they're allergic to gold. Fair enough. Great. So are you I...
1: saying that emotions are not a tangible thing that you can have, Cameron?
0: <laughs> no, not really. That's what my therapist told me. Yeah.
2: It's not what she told us. You're listening to the <laughs> police box on the couch. <laughs> Aye. So there we go.
1: Yeah, the, the strength and the weakness of any enemy in Doctor Who is always like counterpoints of the same sides. So the Daleks used to be terrifying and of hatred, so they got defeated by stairs.
0: So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
1: The Cybermen are made of metal, so they get defeated by a rare metal.
0: I'm trying to remember other ones now that have been defeated by something no. else. What have we oh got? my god! Got... Oh, uh, been... the Sontarans are defeated by tennis balls, obviously. Yep, you just pan one of them at the back of its head.
2: And the Tories have an allergic reaction to Wimbledon.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if the tennis
2: ball hadn't worked, the strawberries and cream were next.
0: Oh, that would have been something oh uh, like, weeping
2: like... angels. What are weeping angels? What are they defeated um, by? Uh, story right, usually
0: staring <laughs> each other, or they're not.
2: Yeah, that's maybe not the best example. What else? Where else have we got?
0: Um, I think of other ones.
1: But but yeah, you're right. The Cybermen are always defeated by emotion because it's that's a big thing like of
0: weakness. Yeah, and it's just there's never any kind of force. It's never any kind of negotiation. It's never any kind of ingenuity. It's always just. An Emotion, yeah,
1: okay. it's not, it's not screwdriver tech, it's not nope. A, a big plan It's just Tracy Anna woman crying a little bit,
0: yep, pretty much. <laughs> I pretty did much,
2: my best for my country. All <laughs> <Yeah>, right, then, <laughs> but I love you, Danny Pink. Okay, so we do point three for the defense. Then,
1: my point three is again back to the acting in this, and it's the casting of Chris Addison. Oh, okay, right, because you bring him in and he is playing. The same role he plays in almost anything, which means that if you've watched him in things like The Thick of It, you see him and you go, "Oh yeah, he'll be a little boring." Jobs worth. There is a lot. Is. Yeah, there's a lot of shades of Ollie in him and this, isn't Yeah,
2: there? yeah. He's been cast to
1: play this specific role, and he plays it really well, in keeping with the Doctor Who story. So it's not a straight man role entirely, but there's little bits of comedy in there, and it's very, very tongue in cheek. And I know things that you don't know kind of way, but you'll find them out soon enough. Quick, they're lighting the barbecue, that kind of thing. We've got a smoker in here, don't worry. And it's... It's very light for the role that he's playing. Because they could have made it somebody dark. They could have made it almost like The Silence, where you are welcomed. You will now fill in these forms. But it's not. It's like, oh, we need you to fill in the forms. Don't worry, you'll remember soon enough. Yeah, that thing, yeah, that happened. Yeah. And it's very light without being fully comedic, which I think Chris Addison was a
2: really good casting for. I suspect that was probably deliberate, though, in an episode that's so full of dark scenes and dark themes. You need somebody in that sort of jobsworth role to alleviate it.
1: Yeah, but it it's light and comedic without being just...
2: Oh. We've lost Cameron. I win. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for episode thirty-one of the Postbox, folks. Uh, join us next time for the Trial of the Time World series. For uh, me and Dave,
1: <laughs> if you'd like to be the third player in this thing, it's a mess. Just apparently <laughs> we <go> one shot.
2: <laughs> so open editions on Twitter if you want to be Cameron, just tweet us with hashtag I'm the new Phillips. Oh, he's definitely he's, he's very much gone, isn't he? He's not even just frozen this time. He's vanished off the face of the earth. All right, let's give him a minute if so he down, comes back. Skype is down.
1: My That's Skype strange. just lost you as well. There, I well, came up with a problem with my... the network. Ah,
2: it's still yeah, two, three in the call. It says up here. Yeah, so it's somewhere. Do so you think he's been downloaded to his new body? Maybe. <laughs> it's going to come back. With silver paint all over his face and a gold headband. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Plusnet, good honest broadband from yorkshire well i thought that was going to be an awkward phone call plus Plusnet in the morning but it's, it seems to be all right now
1: see we were kind of a side plans for you we were going to have you sit somewhere with wi-fi like mcdonald's or burger king <laughs> and phone us on, <laughs> on skype from burger king to do
2: it from there (laughs) fuck it we'll do it live (laughs) oh man this was immediately after the thought we could just have live live auditions for your replacement on twitter (laughs) since you'd unexpectedly quit the podcast
0: (laughs) no i would be i would be no (laughs) no i'd be sad where are Only joking good Cheers, we were Dad. We working out
2: what we'd do if you just deleted all your, like, social media accounts and we couldn't find you. <laughs> just, go, just go back and edit them out of every single episode from 13 onwards. We never <laughs>
0: just I let was never a break,
2: Just have a sense like two, two guys having a breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> talking to, so. It's fictional.
0: Yeah,
1: that's I, a good point you've made there, Lee. What do you think about that?
0: E- <laughs>
2: <laughs> to bleep every single bit of camera out of it. I did get, about, oh. get, did get to the point where we thought, what if he never existed? <laughs> but we, yeah. we drive down to Cotton Ridge find you meet Claire and she goes, but Cameron's been dead 10 years.
0: <laughs> it's like the world's most elaborate ghost stories.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay then Dave, uh, point three for the defence please.
1: Well, I think I have to say that Chris Addison is my point three. It's here again, going for an actor with great casting, much like Michelle Gomez. He's brought in here to do a similar role to what he's known for in Thick of It. And it is a similar role, but with added comedy. He gets to play the straight man and the comedian in these scenes, which I think he's good at, because it's what you expect from him. I, I would like to, as I was saying on camera, earlier, I'd like to see the outtakes where Pierre Capaldi comes in doing the full Malcolm Tucker out, <laughs> dressed as the doctor. But. I'd... Are
0: they ever in the same scenes to do that, though? No, no, I don't think they are. So I don't think they are. No, Some I don't think they weren't. A scene at all.
1: There is a scene where they're together, where Missy kills Chris Addison. The doctor's there.
0: He's on a screen, though. Ah, uh, no. Is he on a
2: screen or is he in the room? That's Dr. Chang you're thinking of. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Chang, the sort of flunky that comes in and is only there to be bumped off. That's well, Dr. all these doctors Chang! look the same to me. Hashtag not my doctor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not my master either.
1: Um, oh, yes, they might not have been in scene together, but I can see how they might have been. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: They would have yeah, on set had, together. The opportunity arisen. You're not telling me Peter Capaldi was not going to storm into that room and go full Malcolm Tucker on him, just for the old yeah. time.
1: So, yeah, I all think Chris right. just a really good. It's a good character. But he makes it his own character. That's really good casting.
0: Is it not a bit the same as what he's always played though? Yeah. With a little, but... with a little bit of added squee.
1: But that's oh. what he was hired for. In the thick of it, he's largely a straight man. Despite being a stand up comedian. So this brings him in for what he's known for. With the added bonus of what he's actually good at. So it is perfect role for him. And he's really good. And yes with added squee.
0: Is he not? Comedy death. There just to be bumped off, though, at the end.
1: Isn't everyone in this story, largely?
0: Pretty much.
1: Like, that's what everyone is there for when it's a master story, at least the modern ones. Everyone's there to be bumped off.
0: And re-uploaded into a new body.
1: Yeah.
2: There is that, but he is there to develop a large amount of the plot to move things along and explain the sphere and to reintroduce the child that Danny Pink killed to him. It's not just like he's there just to say, oh, this is a plot, that's what's going on. Joins a lot of strands of the story together.
0: Are you trying to tell me he's a medic in the exposition wars?
1: (laughs) He's an accountant in the exposition (laughs) wars. Brilliant. What a place to be. He's one of the accountants behind the scenes in the exposition wars who sends people out on patrol and tells them why they're patrolling and what they're looking for on patrol. And why it's funny, and as if they're being cremated, to make light of people being burnt while they're still away or unconscious, in a slightly dark way. Okay, okay. But, but I think also your point earlier for the prosecution, that it's an incredibly dark subject and a dark story. I think Chris Addison brings some mild humour to it, to lighten it. I think the Dancing in Cyberman is too light and too comedic. Whereas Chris Addison with almost... Is it, <laughs> with his
0: did, Lee just, did Lee just have a bit of the so COVID I there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got the well up.
2: I'm sorry I have to break this on the middle of a recording, but that's it for me. I'm just going to be uploaded to the spear now. <laughs> Next time I see you, I'll
0: look completely different. i will be doing aerobics in a graveyard. Okay, all right. Well, Chris Addison, yeah, it's good. I, I like his performance. And yeah, I suppose you could say that he's... Display the character displays something sort of a gallows humour, which you probably would have to have for uploading recently deceased memories and minds into a never sphere
1: and also telling people what you're doing.
0: Yeah, exactly. As I say, he is the accountant of the exposition wars, he needs to be there so that Danny can be dull and understand more of what's going on around him. Okay, fine, fine. It would be a bit of a nightmarish hellscape if he wasn't there. So yeah, okay. We'll go. I, I still would maintain it's probably the only character that Chris Addison can probably do. But yeah, it's probably needed in this situation. I'll grant you that.
2: Okay then. Uh, next point for the prosecution then.
0: Technically speaking, and debating about it, you know, Michelle Gomez, blah 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 earlier. Does the Master even strictly speaking have to be here for this entire story? Can this? Th- because this, you know, at the moment we're all complaining about the fact that the Master's recruiting Cybermen as a regenerating army in the latest ones. This is probably the start of the whole Master's bizarre recent fascination with Cybermen and working alongside them. Could this not have just been a Cyberman thing without the Master being there? Could the Cybermen not have just developed something to be, you know, to upload minds and things like that? And it would have been, you know, maybe a bit more straightforward than just having to have the Masters in there as well.
1: Um, it could be, but this is the story that brought the Master back and it's also Time Lord technology they're using to upload the brains and souls to. So as much as it doesn't need the Master to be there it also doesn't need the Cybermen to be there almost. It could be almost anybody. It could be Daleks.
0: Daleks are going to have a major, major problem coming out of graves though.
1: <laughs> yeah, but...
0: Just, just wheels spinning all the time. And then just like <laughs> mud Cybermen and dirt flying out the back. Can you, imagine if, can you imagine? I love the way we, we play this sometimes. Can you imagine if this was sea devils? Lots
2: of Vikings coming back from the dead then. That'd yeah, a, but it would be anyone
0: who, anyone who died at
2: sea. <laughs> so, what oh, right, we've got? we got Vikings, Captain Birdseye. Yep. Uh,
0: Everybody on the Titanic. Bin Laden.
2: Osama
0: Bin Laden. It's quite an ambitious cast for... Uh, <laughs> 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 imagine just Osama Bin Laden coming back as a sea devil.
2: Okay, never mind. If the doctor was, if you were going to cast somebody to play Osama bin Laden in Doctor Who, who would you cast?
1: Nicely, you've missed. There would be a to a two man canoe that would come back with bin Laden and Rupert Maxwell in it, arguing
0: <laughs> for
2: the Middle East. <laughs>
0: um, if you look,
2: oh who I don't know? I think the smart money's on Jeremy Beadle. To
0: Jeremy play a Osama, Osama bin Laden.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the beard's in place. Well, the beard, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. He never saw both his hands, so Bond's probably quite withered.
0: Yeah, true.
2: He could do wonders with prosthetics, so, so you know, alright, right, Beetle would be a shoehorning.
0: Beetle would, yeah, okay. Was Jeremy Beetle buried at sea, do we know? <laughs> Let's consult Wikipedia. Did he have the full naval honours? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Matthew Kelly, he's got the beard, he could do it. Let's not be on the telly <laughs> it's not going to tell him much.
0: That's a
2: reason for that, allegedly. I'm actually googling to see how Jeremy Piddle was disposed of, so to speak.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my Jeremy, god! Oh,
2: Jeremy Piddle was cremated.
0: Oh.
2: Oh, so oh. yeah, would have felt the whole thing. Yep. Which is, yep. he <laughs> would have felt it. the whole thing, not only one of his little hands. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know, I think that's only fair, considering the cruelty inflicted on the general public for two decades the monster yep he was the worst thing that happened in any television studio in
1: the 80s
0: <laughs> oh boy
2: okay how did we even get here
0: i don't, I don't it, know We started looking
1: up jeremy beadle and asking who should play osama bin Laden. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah
1: <laughs> that's how we got there sorry
2: my fault okay let's get back to what we're talking yeah, about yeah
0: that that's my whole thing technically speaking the master just often Feels like a little bit of a sort of bolt on to this. It should have been maybe even just a Cyberman story.
1: Um, I think you could go with that from two sides. Okay. Because there could have been a Cyberman story without the Master, or the Master just bringing back the dead without it being the Cyberman.
0: Probably option B might have been even more effective then. Yeah. Didn't need but okay, it didn't need both of them. No. Is what I'll say.
1: I think because it was the season finale, they decided to bring back the Master. Okay. So because they were bringing back the Master with a big change, mm-hmm. they wanted to bring back something
2: familiar at the same time. Might have been the reasoning behind it. Mm-hmm. I think one kind of anchors the other. I mean, he, he, he kind of the a catalyst for all this plan. And I don't think the Cybermen would have the benevolence like to think of this by themselves. You need somebody pushing the buttons and pulling the strings in the background for this sort of plan to come off. So the Master would probably be the natural fit for that. It's quite a convoluted plan for the Cybermen.
0: Yeah. Essentially, also all just boils down to I want to give the Doctor an army. Yeah. Why? Just, why?
1: Because <laughs> There's always been that thing with the Doctor if, is if he actually had the power would he decide to fix everything? Because he's always trying to fix everything but from relative positions of weakness. So if you put him in charge what would he actually do with power? Forget the fact that he's an incredibly intelligent alien with a time machine. You know, but what's yeah. that
0: actual power? At no point would you go, you know what the Doctor needs? Uh, lots of people to command. At yeah. no point does anyone logically think that. But no. I suppose
2: at the same time, this is like the carrot at the end of uh, am, a, am I a good man? Stick. Yeah. He's been having this dangled in front of him. He's at home at look. Like, you could use this for good, in inverted commas. So would you... Would you take that offer up?
0: Yeah, I don't yeah. think he'd be in any way motivated by commanding an army of Cybermen but let alone an army of Cybermen based on like his companion's dead boyfriend as well.
1: <laughs> also you know,
0: dead people from Earth. Cause dead he likes people science. from Earth, yeah, and all these dead folk. It's not going to be... No. Yeah, it just it seems, seems really weird at the forces. end. Where it's like, going, oh, I was going to give you an army. Have an army. It'll be great. It's all yours. Command them about with a wee bracelet.
1: Yeah, it just wouldn't work because if you've got ranks of troops doing exactly what you're doing, then you can't have them in ranks because they just shoot the one in front of themselves. Mm. It's just stupid.
0: Exactly. Dave's obviously thought about this a lot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've not thought about it a lot. You know, how would I command armies of the dead? You know, <laughs> not with a fucking bracelet. That's for sure. No.
0: No. <laughs> Oh, okay, then. What you want we... for that
2: semaphore? That's what
0: you plant <laughs> army of the dead.
2: That's why every Dark Lord of the un-dead needs flags. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you can't can you
2: operate just... without them.
0: You just do like Michael Jackson does in Thriller, surely. <laughs> through the medium of dance. <laughs> and...
2: oh, I, I thought you meant touch people and then die. <laughs> shall we move on to the next point?
0: <laughs> Let's move on to the next point, Yeah.
2: So, where are we? Who, who's next? It's uh, Cameron up to... with a point for the prosecution, I believe. Point for
0: the prosecution. All right, okay. Oh, no, no, uh, no.
1: No, actually, you're right. Because I did Chris Addison, then you did uh, whatever did nonsense lie you did. Okay. Well, there's too many <laughs> bad guys in this episode.
2: <laughs> <sighs> so, uh, I believe I was, that
0: was your point. I'm getting a bit schoolyard now,
2: isn't it? That's a okay, bit. Yeah. Let, let, let's defuse this point for the defense, David, please.
0: I'll be
1: honest, I was largely just speaking there to fill time while I read my list again. A lot of people have a go at Clara for being a random crap character who always does the nuclear option with everything. But in this, especially in the first 10 minutes, I find that her despair and her sadness is a really believable show. It's it's the most rounded she is as a character, probably in any episode, because you actually see the sadness and confusion when he dies. And then in the scene straight after that, Where she's talking about how nobody deserves anything and it's all just crap. It's actually believable as a human reaction to a human event. It's not sci-fi, it's not aliens, it's not I want to be like that magical man with a magic box. It's just this is shit and it's shit for everyone. Fuck it. And it's a really good portrayal of a character. If you took those scenes out and showed it as just a drama, everyone would believe it as a drama. There's no sci-fi, there's nothing there. It's just really good acting. An alright character. But it's a really well done scene. Yeah, point for the (laughs) defence.
0: Well, going back to the original thing I said at the start, I I don't have any time for Clara as a character at all. I can understand the whole grieving thing at the start of the episode, but I just think she leaps automatically to the straight nuclear option. In this case, they say she has an option of a time machine available to her. That she seems to want to threaten the person who owns aforementioned time machine with death on a volcanic planet. It would seem to get her own way.
1: Yeah, they did seem to skip the usual "Why can't you take me back to save him?" conversation.
0: It did. Yeah, it was kind of like brushed apart, and then it was like every time we say no, I'm going to throw a key, and you know it's not going to be. So no, I don't. Yeah, fine, as a sort of dramatic piece, yeah, you can understand she's grieving and she does play it really, really well. But I don't, as a character, no, afraid not. As well, as you
1: coming point. in having prejudged this, so that's fine. I've made my point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Whether
1: you're not open to these things, that's fine.
0: <clears throat> not really, Dave. sorry. Sorry. That's fine. Do you want the next point for the, well, I think it's the, the, the last one.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm large there of points for the defense. So yeah, I'll yeah. Go for
0: it. Can we talk about this? Epi- this story's rather lax attitude to adoption.
1: No. And remember, <laughs> and okay. it's not up to us. Lax <laughs> attitude to
0: adoption. Yeah. yeah. What were you watching? Oh, it's just the way that it's like the like the kid who Danny shoots, right? Yep. Has obviously no lines. Because he can't speak English. I'm assuming the character can't speak English. Racist. I'm just... Matter fact, I'm assuming the character can't speak English. All right. What, what are you basing that assumption on,
1: Cameron? Is it the colour of his skin? Like I said, <laughs> racist.
0: Growing <laughs> up in some <laughs> Bosnian war zone. Or whatever. Oh, to, to
2: be fair, that could have been Greenick.
0: Yeah, well, alright. Still can't speak a, English, then. They, they seem to... <laughs> he seems to meet Danny cower away from him then with no scenes to explain the change at one point towards the end they're sat next to each other quite happy and then he is sent back through this portal to Clara at the end of the story when I think she's hoping that Danny's coming back Yep. Um, and then she ends up with this refugee war child that, as far as I'm aware, never quite got mentioned or referenced again.
1: Uh, Danny does say to find his parents, so we can maybe assume that he went back to whichever war-torn country he's from.
0: Were we ever shown that, or is there still some war-torn child sat in Clara's flat, <laughs> oh, waiting for her to come back?
1: Just doing what? the dishes, the Hoover, and
2: <laughs> she's getting told it's all in place. He'll get paid one day. He comes over here. He does her housework.
0: Does her housework. Cowers every single time the fireworks go off on the 5th of November.
1: Doesn't try to integrate
0: because he can't speak the language.
1: <laughs> Bloody <laughs> immigrants coming over here through their portals from the afterworld. <laughs>
0: <laughs> coming over here,
2: pretending to be dead. And if you look at the tomorrow's papers, that's exactly the Daily Mail headline.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, my whole thing, This seems to be this, um, this weird sort of subplot of an adoption thing going on that never gets referenced again and just seems a bit out of place.
1: I think it is largely the end of the exposition war for Danny. (laughs) Pretty much. Because he's a very, very not fleshed out character. Because we know all these things about him, but it's all a story about a person that doesn't feel like we've met. Because he's this soldier who's been at war and he's done things and he's seen things. But he's also this happy math teacher that takes another teacher to Pizza Express. And 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 the two are like
0: walking. Maybe he doesn't sweat.
1: The the two are never married together. They don't quite sit. Like you get all these scenes where he's at war and he's seen things, but you don't see him trying to deal with it or affecting him when he's with Clara much. So I think the fact that he dies and he chooses to save this boy that he killed and send him back, we don't really have an understanding of that because that's not the Danny that we see with Clara. So that's almost like a separate character, Danny, the incredibly well-smoking squaddy, who's angry at officers, even though he sounds like one.
0: Poor kid doesn't even get a name. Why would he need a name?
1: He's just the boy. Tell the boy to wash the dishes. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. That's
0: so yeah, the boy. The boy. So that would be yeah. That would be my final point. Weird ass thing about adoption going on.
1: Yeah, they could have done it where there was no way to come back, but there was a way to send a message. All yep, she had to I do was
0: go that. to Bad Wolf Bay
1: in Norway, and we could see her again.
0: <laughs> we can see her again, and there'd be Billy Piper, and everyone be going, "Oh, David Tennant's coming back
2: <laughs> for the Christmas special." Oh, no, he's not. He's in prison. He murdered fifteen men. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, really, really gone off the rails since he left. <laughs>
0: Do yes. all former Doctors end up doing stuff that involves them being serial killers, then? Because Matt Smith Matt Smith did the stage version of American Psycho when he left Doctor Who. Tenant's yep. done Dez. Has Christopher Eccleston played anyone with a knife?
2: No, he's just actually killed nine men.
0: Yeah. Wow. He found okay. out
2: they're messing up a park and he just lost yeah. it entirely. Nobody knows where the bodies are buried.
0: Fair enough. We can wait until um, Jodie Whittaker plays Rose West in a few years' time. <laughs> and I'm joking, but, you know, there's a possibility. Yeah,
2: I mean, she has got an immaculate patio in her house. Exactly. She, almost like she knows what she's doing.
0: Yeah, you know, research.
2: <laughs> Hashtag like not the, by the Rose. McCann. <laughs> and if you're playing of your Lewis Fox bingo cards at home that's a Madeline McCann reference for the tonight's (laughs) wow tick those off and send them to television centre Wood Lane W1
1: (laughs) should I tell the traditional Madeline McCann joke now
2: (laughs) why not (laughs) it's a practically like Lewis Fox impression so in you go
1: Mm, (laughs) every night I like to leave a candle on for Madeline McCann she gets sad in the cellar if I don't
0: (laughs) on that note (laughs) Shall we begin the summing up? Let's begin the summing up, yes. (laughs) Before (laughs) we shut
2: down entirely. Cameron, if you'd like to begin summing up the case for the prosecution.
0: Okay, the case for the prosecution is the fact that Dark Water and Death in Heaven are far too tonally dark for the time frame that it was actually screened on. It's a story that tries to do frivolity around the afterlife, and being able to tell and feel the fact you've been cremated. Um, It features the height of Clara going down the route of the most nuclear option available to her, or stupid option available to her, and to damn with all the the consequences of everyone else. There's a lot of emotional weight in this story that rests on Danny's shoulders. I don't think the character's quite developed enough to actually warrant that as a keystone of the entire thing that just falls apart we're getting dangerously close to james cordon territory because the cybermen are defeated by love or emotion again and the master is it's too much of a departure from previous masters and to be honest it doesn't even, she doesn't even really need to be there for this plan to be either the cybermen on their own or the master on her, on her own but not both together and war children appearing out of nowhere Weird adoptive thing going on. Strange. Hang it high. Guilty. Okay.
2: Dave, for the case for the defence, please. Sum up. Well, there's quite a few reasons
1: for the defence. Yeah, First of all, the casting of most of the characters. Chris Addison's great. Michelle Gomez is messy as an inspired choice. If you're going to change the gender for the master and have somebody back rap crazy, bring in a Scottish woman. She's perfect for that. <laughs> Clara finally gets to show some actual emotion without it being overly excited, needs some medication excitement. The doctor gets to show that despite people betraying him and stabbing him in the back, he's different. He's not gonna look for revenge, he's actually gonna help them. And I also quite like the callback to the classic Doctor, where they mentioned the brigadier. They could have left it as just Kate is just new and different, but they mentioned the callback and he gets a shower. Which is a nice touch. So this is actually a really good story. It's a nice send-off for Danny. It's a great introduction for Missy. And it shows that the Doctor is not just a man with a magic box. He's something different. He's an alien. He's slightly wrong. So that's why I think this is a great Doctor Who story. And it's canon.
2: And it should stay canon. Okay. Right. Fair enough. Uh I'm going to break protocol here because Dave touched upon something that we haven't actually <laughs> talked about. So before
1: uh, can, uh, b- before before you start on this, can I just point out that it was in my notes and it was also in Cameron's notes.
2: Have we discussed the cyber brig at length though? No, no. I think I, I feel we probably should because this has been a big thing since this went out. So I'm going to ask you before I start giving the verdict: cyber brig, ye or nay?
0: Nay. Definitely.
2: I'm sorry.
1: Somebody's at my door. I have to go. I'm not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> as <of> the defence. <laughs> um, I think it is a ropey, pointless, stupid bag of crap, or knee for short. Sure. Okay. I think it was disrespectful.
0: It does feel like the entire dedication to this, the Brigadier, a beloved classic series character in this story, is a painting on a wall, of a plane. And a Cyberman.
1: It's an afterthought.
0: If you could look at the Brigadier in the old classic series and like someone was to tell you, Yeah, he'll get turned into a Cyberman and just fly away. You'd be bitterly disappointed.
2: Yep. Okay, fair enough then. Well uh, and on if that if you say
1: that's how he would get treated, he would be very disappointed.
0: Yep. Okay,
2: well on that point then we'll move on to a listening evidence. Uh the time lush, the errant son of our podcast has returned and oh. says whoever fought up the scene with the cyber break needs to be shot in the face <laughs> so i think broadly he agrees with both of you
0: yeah i think there's a hint of that yeah yeah
2: so that's that's a lesson evidence really awesome okay then so we begin the verdict shall we begin summing Look, up so the you're telling line? us
1: that even though we appeared on on the time lash <laughs> they didn't give us any evidence for this
2: it's a different world man it's a different world they are our sworn enemies, apparently.
0: I think they're too highbrow.
2: Yeah, the airwaves end up there disappearing up the last. Like,
0: you know, <laughs> I say, they're, they're going like, to be going. We need to talk about themes of PTSD displayed in uh, the, this, you know, dark water death in heaven. And we'd be what? there going electric cubes.
1: That's from the man that brought up immigration and abortion issues, whatever, we're like gonna <laughs> shit. <laughs> all of a sudden he's calling other people hybrid (laughs) fine
2: (laughs) yeah come on Cameron where was the knob jokes yeah plenty of those later episodes you know the drill
0: (laughs) plenty of those later
2: god we should just let them cut off right (laughs) (laughs) it just doesn't get it I'm gonna cry now (laughs) we love you really oh okay then right shall we get on to summing up the verdict then
0: we're probably better yeah. yeah
2: okay Right, so then, Dark Water and Death in Heaven. Before we begin summing up properly, we have to ask, is this the most hated finale of the modern era of Doctor Who? The evidence seems to point that way, but how much is that down to a brigadier deer-shaped elephant in the room? Before we even touch on that with a unit-approved barge pole, let's take a look at what this two-parter does well. This finale tries to break some new ground. Before this point, our finales have been Dalek Invasion, possible Dalek Invasion, an unhinged Prime Minister posing a threat to the German general public <laughs> Imagine, and a threat of all of time and space unravelling. Boring. Dark Water and Death in Heaven give us something different to play with. Sure, at the heart of it is an invasion story, only this time with Cybermen. But there's more at play here. We see, perhaps for the first time, a companion truly betraying the Doctor's trust, not just attempting to cave his napper in with a polystyrene rock like Turnlow. Granted, the betrayal didn't physically happen and was engineered to an extent by the Doctor himself, but it's good to see what can happen when a companion loses something important to them, more so than the relationship with the Doctor and what they're prepared to do in order to get them back. Another first is Doctor Who getting to grips with the concept of life after death. Sure, you can argue this has been done several times before with regeneration generation stories, but this is the first time it involves us mere mortals and explores the fear that we all have regarding death. It's a very Doctor Who idea to portray the afterlife as being a real place, but only within the construct of a Time Lord idea. The whole concept of the episode and the way it plays out is suitably creepy and theme and atmosphere, tackling something new to the series. We've got a strong supporting cast here, there's some old friends returning, and the introduction of debatably the best incarnation of the Master in the new series. Michelle Gomez nails quietly unhinged here, and she doesn't have to resort to the slightly overtopped trail to get across the insanity ingrained in the character, as she efficiently kills off characters with a sort of sinister absent-mindedness. There's lots of nice visual clues to the Cyberman be- Cybermen being involved before we meet them. The picture above Seb's desk, the windows in the Nevisphere of doors, the tomb in the mausoleum. Bad things? Well, Samuel Anderson is never the most emotive actor in his time in Doctor Who, which does detract from his death and leaves you not really believing in the relationship between him and Clara. Perhaps if we had had more time with him in the series, we might have felt more of a gut punch in his initial quiet death scene and ultimate fate. I mean, imagine this happening with Mickey or Rory. It's night and day, right? Or (laughs) K-9. That tin dug deserves everything it got. And then there's the ending. So close. So close. But falls at the final hurdle. A lot of fandom's hatred of this story is a perceived insult to Nicholas Courtney's memory by having the Brigadier cyberised. But it makes sense narratively. This whole series has been about the Doctor wrestling with the question of whether he's a good man or not. He decides that he is, almost out of the blue in exchange with Missy about commanding the Cyber Army. Surely it would have been so much better for things to play out as they were, but if the Doctor only realising that yes he is a good man, with the reappearance of one of his oldest friends there in his hour of need. I can see what they're going for but it's clunkily executed. If the Cyber Brigadier had played more of an active part throughout this episode alongside Cyber Danny, only for us to realise who he was at the very end, that might have had more of a positive impact. As it stands, it feels tacked on, much like the rest of the ending. Danny signing the orphan that he killed back to Clara, it's supposed to be Danny atoning for his mistakes and putting them right, but in reality he's just dumped a long dead kid in his girlfriend's flat and left her to do the admin. And a goodbye scene between the Clara and the Doctor, it just doesn't work. You don't buy the reason why Clara is lying about Danny's fate, nor the Doctor's claim that he's, that he's found Gallifrey and everything's okay The whole ending to the episode seems rushed and bolted together. So, with that in mind, it's a tough one. It's an episode that does do some brave and some new things but sadly it's derailed by the confused ill-structured and ultimately unsatisfying ending for this reason and not for any screaming fanboy how dare you touch the brigadier reason I'm going to have to say it's guilty of crimes against Doctor Who
1: hashtag not my brig hashtag screaming fanboy <laughs>
2: <laughs> but as always it's not it's not ultimately done to the result in the courtroom it's down to what you think the listeners saw. So, as usual, they'll put a poll out on Twitter for seven days after this episode goes out. You get the final choice as to whether Darkwater, Death in Heaven is guilty or not guilty of crimes against Doctor Who. And we will reveal the results at some point down the line. Because we're going to be doing a Trial of a Time Lord specials
0: next yay I get to defend the entire series the whole series camera I fight. am filled, filled with adrenaline but I've got a, I've got an idea and I'm trying to pull in an extra couple of witnesses just to give even support and evidence um, and I'm trying to pull it off but I'll have to leave it because if I, if I say what I'm trying to do and it doesn't happen I'll look like an idiot but if I don't say it, and it does happen, it'll look like the most genius Masterstroke I've had in my life.
1: It's going to be when it's like
2: Philip Cameron's, isn't it? Yeah. That old track, yeah. yeah. I, I, get, I get the impression he's got Colin Baker and Nicola Bryant on speed dial.
0: Oh, you're so I, close.
2: I think he's got Nicola Bryant on speed. <laughs> so, like I say, next time you hear us will be the... Getting our toes into the time of a Trial of a Time Lord special. So, you'll hear us uh, doing The Mysterious Planet with Ben and Mark from On the Time Lash. Then, we'll be doing Mind Warp with Richie from I Hate Doctor Who and Stephen. Uh, after that, Terror of the Vorvoids with the man, the myth, the legend that is Jordi Alf making The Conquistadores. Oh, yes. <laughs> and hopefully, Jim from the Canonical Podcast as well. And then we round off the whole series with The Ultimate Foe with Greg and Charlie from The Completely Menagerie, almost. After that, we'll do a results special, and then we're into our Christmas specials. After that, where we're thinking of doing the Peter Cushing movies.
0: Yeah. Yep.
2: As a wee sort of kind of diversion to the thing we normally do, so you know, that'll be that'll be fun and it'll be light. So that's what we've got planned for the next few episodes. Uh, so for when we come back properly, shall we do the envelopes of justice and decide what we're going to be doing? Yes. Right. So who won the poll last time? It was Dave. Uh, did. Dave did, right? So Dave. You get the choice of whether really you want to defend or prosecute the next proper episode of the Police Box. Which one do you want to do? What do you want to do? Defend or prosecute?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can't wait until it comes out and then just like then, you know what I mean? Uh, oh
1: no, the funds are not going though. So I'm prosecuting the town Lord trial. Thing nonsense serial that we're doing. You so are
0: prosecuting the entire series. Yeah.
1: I'll defend the next real episode after that because it's only at least okay. fair.
2: Okay, right then, let's find out what we're going to be doing in the next proper episode, which won't be till like January. So you know, somewhere, yeah. <laughs> Keep this in your mind, folks. It's only like three months. So, cameron I'm going to run my fingers along the envelopes. At any point, say stop, and what we draw is what Dave will then
0: defend. Then, yeah.
2: And in the next episode of The police Box, I am okay. now fingering the box. Oh, yes. So back and forward the comments. Um, where it stops, mm, nobody knows, apart from the camera. Stop. Okay. Right then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you really make me sort of say variety is the spice of life. Yeah. And, you know, the, the envelopes are just as so you can throw up anything at all from the entire history of Doctor Who.
0: Can I just try, you did
2: take Trial of a Time Lord out of there, didn't you Well, we did. Yes, yeah. It's yeah. now been moved from the box. So, when we come back after Christmas and do our next proper episode of the Polis Box, we will be doing something from the Stephen Moffat era of Doctor <laughs> Who. Oh,
0: first <Yeah>. right.
2: well, <laughs> time in a row. So, it's either got to be Matt Smith or Peter Capaldi totally got to it. be Peter Cavaldi oh, again isn't what it what would I wish for nah, that's, that's the point actually if you were to wish for a Cavaldi, or a Smith what would you want Cameron um, definitely because fuck Lewis
0: well what I'd be if Dave's defending I'd be prosecuting wouldn't I awesome. Um prosecuting. oh what could I kick there's a fair. oh don't after slagging off James Corney, you're going to tell me it's going to be the lodger or something
2: I don't know I've not looked yet
0: oh shall we find out
2: what we're going to do in episode 32 of the sorry not 32 episode 36 of the bullet box
0: something like that yeah along the yeah. line yeah
2: some follow number okay we are doing something from the peter moffat it's peter moffat fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> we're going back to the davison years okay we're going to be doing something from the Stephen moffat years of doctor who cameron will be prosecuting the zygon invasion and the zygon inversion (laughs) yay (laughs) Yay. oh it feels like so long since we watched this well i suppose it'll be
0: it'll be january so it'll be like you know what four months away
2: (laughs) the episode we literally watched for on the time lash two weeks ago (laughs) will be the next episode we cover in the police box what we'll do
1: is we'll record it straight after this and then just tack on a new start
0: yeah
2: it'll be great what we'll do is we'll put it on the time lash yeah other i'll let out ben and mark yeah. <laughs> and we'll just have youtube once you two go and see i'll do a little bit here and there and that's it job done we don't have to come back till february now yeah it's, it's a fine. winter break
0: an extended break no it'll be fine because oh. by the time we get to january we'll have completely forgotten everything about it anyway we'll have watched the entirety of um trial of a time lord which will be helpful in probably cleansing any memory of any sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> And um, yeah, we'll we'll um, we'll do the Peter Cushing movies. It'll be all be fun, Roy Castle, and then yeah, <laughs> it'll be grand.
2: We'll get through it because dedication's all you need.
0: Exactly, it's and fun. Therapy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so there we have it. That's what we're going to be doing when we come back properly in January. Like I say, next four episodes we're doing the Trial of the Trial of the Time Lord, uh, with many special guests. That'll be a lot of fun, and then we'll do. The Cushing Movies as a Christmas special. As always, get in touch with Paulus Box on Twitter. Let us know whether you think any of these stories has got to be guilty or not guilty of crimes against Doctor Who.
0: Do you want to be really, really funny? What's that? If we invited Ben and Mark onto that one as well. <laughs> Do you know what?
2: I'm tempted. <laughs> I'm really, really tempted. Well, let's put a shoe on the other foot and see how he looks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: because then we'll never know what actual episode we were on <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then we'll wake up in the shower at all level. it would have been a dream
0: oh, yep I will wish it had been
1: what we could do is we could invite one of them on for inversion, invasion and the other one on for invasion <laughs>
2: <laughs> which was the real Zygon Ben or March well wow. you can only tell when you kiss him <laughs> on that note <laughs> shall we wrap up there yes yes okay keep your eyes on the skies keep your eyes on Twitter we'll be back very very soon with the trial of a trial of a time lord in the mid time we put Darkwater and Death and Heter on a trial go on Twitter vote for us guilty or not guilty of crimes against Doctor Who we will see you very soon for the trial of a trial of a time lord in the meantime, this has been the Polis Box at episode 31 I've been Lee I've been Dave
0: and I've been Cameron With working internet now
2: <laughs> yay <laughs> take care everybody
0: Bye-bye. bye bye bye